Hi, I'm Eric. And I'm Megan. And this is Cinema Super Collider, where we're smashing up cinema one movie at a time. Greetings, my friends. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here, my friend. Can your heart stand the shocking fact about cinema, episode of Cinema Super Collider, we take a look at the 1987 slasher flick, Blood Harvest. Oh, man. Eric, how did you feel about this film? Oh, I hate this movie. (laughs) I really hate this movie. It's got a terrible script, terrible acting. Uh, It's competently shot, I suppose. For what it is. Competently directed by Bill Mm Rabane, B-movie auteur, or maybe... Maybe he's not an auteur. Maybe he's just a B-movie notable director. Well, he's... Uh, he's had an interesting life. He had a very interesting life involving the film industry, um, which we can touch on briefly before we get into the film. But, uh, but this, the characters were bad. The acting was bad. The script was bad. Everything was bad. I kept... Uh, halfway through the film, I was gritting my teeth and yelling at the TV, and it made me very, very angry. Yes, which which amuses me when we watch movies because when Eric starts getting angry at a movie he he really goes in. Uh, I oh, did I not. I was really angry. Yeah. I did not mind this movie as much, but I I will say it's not one of the finer films that we've seen for the show. It doesn't make me angry the way Snowpiercer made me angry. Now there are a few notable things about this film. Uh, number one, it is a feature film f- featuring. I think I wouldn't call it starring Tiny Tim. Now, Eric, could you explain who Tiny Tim is to the audience? Tiny Tim was an entertainer that broke big in the late 1960s. He played a ukulele and sang in a high, warbly, falsetto voice, mostly songs from around the turn of the last century, really old-timey songs. There was a time in the late 1960s where there was a real interest in throwback music to between the wars kind of songs, or even uh, pre-World War I type songs, you can hear the influence on the Beatles' White Album. You know, uh, uh, Honey Pie uh, is a good example. There were multiple other ones that Paul McCartney did in this kind of like musical style or like like it's, 1920s sort of style. It's often referred to as Tin Pan Alley. Tin Pan Alley, which is, that was a... a what was Tin Pan Alley? It was a group of songwriters that uh, that, that were worked together. Basically, I mean, it's not the Brill Building, but it's no, but it it basically encapsulates what you're talking about. Right? They were songs that were written uh, on sheet music and passed out to people, and they went to dance halls, and somebody played a piano, and somebody sang along with it. And one, and it was but pre-recorded music, really. One very notable song that Tiny Tim did was "Tiptoe Through the Tulips." With a little ukulele. Right. He played a, a left-hand ukulele and sang Tiptoe Through the Tulips. I think when he, he first performed it, it was on 
a TV show called Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In, which was a very groundbreaking TV show from the 1960s that was really uh, sort of chaotic and very uh, hip with the young people and very different from all television comedies at the time, which were either scripted or were talk show type things. One of the one of the things they featured was it, essentially it's kind of an old school comedy bit. It's called a blackout. But in the Laugh In show, it wasn't so much a blackout as what they would do is open doors and people would kind of like lean out and tell a joke and then they'd close themselves back into the the wall of doors. Yeah, that was one of the the things. Uh, George it, Carlin featured in there as the hippy dippy weatherman. Wasn't Goldie Hawn? One Goldie Hawn was in there. Yeah. She was one of the dancers that had body paint on. Mm-hmm. It was real risque for its time. Uh, you put it in the same box as you did like the Smothers Brothers show because it was had a very sort of left liberal bent, anti-Vietnam War, anti-Richard Nixon anti you know yeah it's the kind of comedy that when you when you hear the songs or you hear the jokes a lot of times it's like oh well that's kind of like like okay funny haha like not not that deep but then if you actually sit there and you think about it for a second you're like oh shit did they really say that yeah my dad when he came back from vietnam he had spent a year in vietnam and came back from vietnam and he saw that on television he tells this he told the story later in life but he was completely just absolutely befuddled by that show on television he's like i've never seen anything even like that i can't even what happened to the world while i was away mm-hmm. sort of thing so it was a real it was a cultural phenomenon and they put this guy on he was a heavy guy with long curly hair kind of a homely face and he's saying in a high voice very much like this and it was a hit yeah for some a- reason he had an album out he he, he made the song tiptoe through the tulips at Charted at number 17 on the Billboard chart. because I know that because I just read it two minutes ago. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and he had a couple of albums and he just was extremely famous. He very famously got married on The Tonight Show, which was had a guy named Johnny Carson hosting the show. I this think, is all well before I was a I a, think most people alive. know who Johnny Carson is. In any case, it was uh, I was like a, a, a baby when, when this happened. So I, But I remember reading about it. And it had like one of the highest, uh, what would you call it, audience numbers, ratings. Nielsen number ratings yeah. that The Tonight Show had ever had was this guy marrying Miss something, Miss Pamela or something like that. And it, it, he he was just, he, he was one of these guys that was kind of like famous for being famous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, and he was so unusual at the time. Yeah. There's, there's kind of nothing, of, the only thing I can think of is like, it's the same sort of fascination that people, some people have with like Emo Phillips or, yeah. you know, it's just like a, in, an incredibly weird person, but also has some sort of a charisma about them that people enjoy. Now, I would not call him an actor, though. I, ju- I just think <laughs> when he shows up in things on TV and in movies like this one, he's basically just showing up as Tiny Tim. Yeah, I, in this movie he played an, I want to say he played an evil clown, but he didn't play an evil clown. He, he, played, he played a, a damaged clown. Yes, he played a, somebody who had like PTSD, I would say, in, in today's parlance. He had some sort of brain damage. He had an accident yeah. that they do not go into. And so he had cognitive impairment. Of some sort. Of some sort. And ever since this event occurred, 
he started wearing clown makeup and a weird clown costume and talking crazy all the time. Exactly. Um, he has a, a he has a younger brother who's uh, like okay and sort of straight minded, or so we think. Or so we think. Right. <laughs> now. Right. Tiny Tim got involved in this movie because Bill Rubain, who is the director and producer and I believe one of the writers, had seen him at some kind of a beer festival, which may or may not have been produced by Bill Rubain. And, you know, he instantly thought, hey, I'm going to I'm going to write this horror movie and I want this Tiny Tim guy to be in it. And he approached Tiny Tim that about guy it. That was in my picture. Right. He approached Tiny Tim about it, and, and he was like, yeah, no, I totally want to be in your horror movie. That sounds great. Now, Bill Rubain is an interesting character in and of himself. He originally is from Eastern Europe, I believe Latvia. The, the director and writer and, and producer. producer uh, triple Threat. Did not appear in the movie, though, so he's not quite Neil Breen levels of, of quadruple threat. He did appear in some bad B-movies. He did, and in fact, among other things... He, he was in the wild, wild world of Batwoman, I think. Oh, was he? I think he was. I don't recall. I, I don't know the, the work. Of, you studied Bill Rabin while did. I studied Tiny Tim. You did, yes, exactly. So Bill Rabin was originally from Latvia. He moved over to the United States with his family when he was a teenager Ended up living in Chicago, which is where Eric and I are based out of. Studied at the School of the Art Institute and the Goodman Theater while here in town, which are both very highly regarded establishments. Yeah, the Goodman Theater is doing a Tommy revival right uh, now. Yes, that I know. everyone says is the greatest thing since sliced bread. The Goodman Theater is like one of the top theaters here in Chicago, I would say, and has been for a very long time. Uh, so, so he got to start, actually, as a performer and an artist, but then he kind of took a little bit of a turn into the the industry part of the film and entertainment industry. He patented several different film techniques, including a 360-degree uh, film system that is used for rotoscope animation, among other things. Yeah, I've, I've seen it described, but I, ha- I don't really kind of grok what it is they're explaining. Right. They had to have some sort of way of like some sort of fisheye lens sort of way to capture you know something like an anamorphic lens that would capture 360 degrees onto a regular piece of film and that that had to be projected through a special projector i guess that would be on like the inside of a planetarium dome or something no i don't think that that's exactly was what it, it a, was. was it a circle around yes it's, okay. it's the kind of thing where they're filming 100 or 360 degrees around, around. so something. you so as an audience member you would maybe stand in the middle of the theater no, and no, you no, could it's see just, all the way around no it's just a filming technique that that people were using in movies oh yeah but what what would the advantage of being able to, to I, film around I, I, 360 I don't know. I don't know either. It's it's sort of obscure, but he developed this process, right? He developed this process among other things as well. He he was actually in the business of working with with innovators and filmmakers from Germany and Eastern Europe and because he spoke four or five different languages, including Russian, Ukrainian, Latvian, German, and English, he was able to establish some international contacts via the the production element of the film industry. Additionally, he set up the Wisconsin Film Office because most of his his career either was in Chicago or Wisconsin. He set up a one of the very first film studios in the Midwest uh, called the Shooting Shooting Range, I believe, and that was up in Wisconsin on a parcel of land that he bought with his wife where he lived for a number of years and then he made a bunch of 
kind of shitty B-movies, some of which did really well, including the attack of the giant spiders. No, The giant spider invasion. Giant spider invasion. Uh, forgive me. There's many spider movies. There's a lot of spider movies. Now, this particular spider movie starred Alan Hill Jr., a.k.a. The Skipper. Right. And I believe it was featured on either Riff Tracks or, or MST3K. Both. Okay, so it's on both. So you can, if you're a fan of either one of those, you probably have seen it. Otherwise, you can see it. And the, if I remember... The, the best thing is there's like this, this giant, sort of like crazy country guy and his wife is an alcoholic and he's like, you're on the booze again. Yeah. And uh, he's got like a yellow back brace that he wears and he's like cavorting with local hookers and stuff. And and it, it, the interaction between him and his wife is really funny. Mm-hmm. He's like the guy that first encounters the spiders. The other thing is that the titular giant spider is a basically a Volkswagen beetle with giant spider legs attached to it. It's kind of driving through a field. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks kind of cool from a distance. I mean, but it, I mean. You, you can't get it too close. And don't they yeah. flamethrow it at the end? Oh, gosh. I don't remember the details of that. They destroy it somehow. At the but end. that's what Bill Rebane is probably most famous for it's it's the movie that he made the most money off of i believe he made like 32 million dollars internationally with that particular but it costs like three hundred thousand dollars to make yes it costs like three hundred thousand dollars to make aka i mean you have a vw bug spider so that's a hundred times made back it's it's cost that was the kind of thing that he would do he and he was very very uh successful and wealthy at an extremely early age which allowed him to just continuously invest in film productions, film industries, setting up things for folks to make movies. And yeah, he did like a million things before he was 25. Yeah, he did. He won a bunch of awards. He was famous in Germany, famous yes. in the U.S., all over the Midwest doing things of just very, very... Uh, he, and he was involved in radio and TV. Right, radio and, shows. And right. film and you know he's making short films he's making feature films he he's, industrial films he right he made a yeah. ton of commercial and industrial films uh, on his shooting ranch up in Wisconsin for a variety of companies and political parties and you name it so despite that he managed to do i think he has 9 or 10 feature length films the first of which is a dreadful movie called Monster Agogo that they did on MST3K they most definitely did and it is not a good movie um, it but might be one of the worst movies that they, they ever, ever did. did. I think TV's Frank from MST3K said that he thought it was the worst movie, but that was from uh, the MST3K book, which was print. It was printed, was written before the series had actually concluded. So right. maybe he would have a, a change of mind. But I mean, I would think that Side Hackers would have been in there too. Side Hackers was way up there, but yeah, yeah. the the Monster Agogo is just. It makes absolutely no sense. It's dark. It's murky. The soundtrack is terrible. Most of it is like teenagers dancing and like close up of girls' butts. Which ironically is what he had made movies of prior to making Monster A Go-Go. He made two short films, which did really well in like various movie houses when you still showed short films. One was called Dance Craze and the other one was called Twist Craze. Yeah, and it was just a lot of girls' butts just swinging back and forth. Because you know what? I mean, sometimes people know what you want to see. Like, you know, sometimes... You get to see more than the girl's butt in this movie, but we did get to see her butt. Yes, we saw quite a bit because she refused to put on pants, but we'll get into that. So anyway, that's who Bill Rubain is, and this is is his second, his penultimate picture. Uh, This is the, the one right before 
Twister's Revenge, which I believe they uh, also Twister's did. Revenge they did on uh, Rift Tracks, right? I know that. I don't think they did. Maybe they did. I know they talked about it on Red Letter Media. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, Twister's Revenge, and I think that one's kind of on the list of that goes around of like bad movies yeah. to to watch for people who are into the kind of bad movies we like. And I've definitely seen it. I don't. I, I remember it has to do with AI in a monster truck. And everybody's trying to steal the AI of a, out of a monster truck, which is ahead of its time. I, I mean, feel like AI could, is like the hotness now, right? I feel like you could make like a trilogy of movies about monster trucks that have some kind of intelligence to them or supernatural thing fueling them. Because, right, the, the Stephen King Yeah, one, right, right, Maximum, maximum overdrive. overdrive. Yeah, smart trucks. And then you got Twister's Revenge, and then I feel like there's one other one. I don't know. There's that one with Dennis Weaver that was directed by, I think, Steven Spielberg. It was a duel. Duel. But that was an actual guy. That's a guy a in truck. a truck, yeah. yeah, yeah. Though, was it? Or was it just an extension oh, of the Oh, it might have truck? been like a ghostly horror guy. You yes. Know, who knows? Go- that's, you know I don't think you ever see him in that movie. There's children running the truck. That's a really good one. That was a made-for-TV movie, duel? by yeah. the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, th- that's a lot of lead up about a few people that are involved in this film. Th- the last small footnote that I'm going to throw out there is that this is the first feature film of a little actor named Peter Krause. If you don't know that name, uh, you probably would recognize him as a, hey, it's that guy from Sports Night or Six Feet Under or a number of other uh, TV shows and movies and such. I believe he's currently on... He was maybe the main character from Six Feet Under. I mean, it was one an ensemble the he's the, cast. He's the eldest brother. He's the one who comes, like, from the, the initial episode kickoff where the father right. has died. And the last episode, spoilers, he dies. Narm. Right. Yes. <laughs> and so it's sort of like the story of his... Kind of. ...part in the family. I mean, the whole, it, I think it's... It's, it's a good ense- series. It's an watch ensemble it. piece watch about it. the yeah. whole thing. But yeah, he's the eldest brother on that that series and so um but yeah i first remember him from sports night which is i believe aaron sorkin's first television series that he had back in the late 90s i think question mark never heard of it i can't believe eric's never seen this but anyway so with all that business out of the way eric what happens in blood harvest well a young woman comes Back from college to her family home uh, out in rural Wisconsin, where her parents, who are work for a bank, or her father who works for a bank and forecloses loans on farms, uh, her parent, he, she comes back and her parents are missing. Mm-hmm. And she's worried that maybe something happened to them because when she arrives at her house, there's all kinds of slurs painted on the house and threatening notes and all this kind of thing because everybody in town hates her and her entire family because they're the bank foreclosure people and people were losing their farms. And this was a big deal back in the late 80s. Yes. I guess it's less of a big deal today because everybody's lost their farm to a big, you know, we won't get into that. But so events unfold whereby her boyfriend shows up, her friends show up, the tiny Tim shows up and... um and then, it's it's there, we see murders along the way, and it's a mystery as to who the murderer is. It's set up that Tiny Tim, as the evil clown, will be the murderer. But from early on in the movie, it's kind of obvious that he's not the one because he is the, the the red herring. Yeah, he is the red herring, and the, the you see enough of the actual killer who's he's wearing a stocking mask, you know, a like nylon nylon stocking mm-hmm. mask, but he doesn't have long hair. No, and he's and not, he doesn't have the body. He's of, not tiny Tim shaped. No, he's not tiny Tim shaped. 
So he's obviously someone else. And there are approximately three other guys in the story. Yes. So it's like, could it be this one? That doesn't make sense. Could it be this one? No, it's not that one. Could it be it's this like, one? No, we saw him get knocked out. So right. no, probably not. Yeah, so about one third of the way into the movie, you know who the killer is. Right. And everybody just runs around talking and acting as stupid as you possibly could in maybe standard horror movie ways, but extremely bad ways. And our protagonist, a uh, uh, young lady, uh, is naked a lot of the time. Her name is Jill. Jill. And uh, she's, uh, I, I, you know, I can't object to naked ladies in movies. I, 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 I love them and they're, they're there to, you know, uh, entertain us. But it was so gratuitous and so like, painful every time every time she sat down or stood up she didn't wear pants for about 75 percent of the movie i think yes it no, like a, a man's dress shirt or a robe or a robe but a short robe a short robe and bikini bottoms yeah just, yeah, just, just like underpants. underwear underpants yeah but like the amount of pantslessness that she is in this movie just just sort of casually around other people like, I get it if maybe it's like you and your, you know, your gal pal, you're having a little slumber party or like you, I don't know, you're just like hanging out in, in in your bedroom, whatever, taking your pants off. Okay, sure, fine, whatever. But like, she's pantsless when the sheriff shows up. She's pantsless when Merv, who's Tiny Tim's character, shows up. No one is flustered by this. No one is like, oh, shit, sorry, I didn't mean to like catch you while you were half naked. No, everyone's cool with it. She's cool with it. She's in danger. She's not wearing any pants. She's running through the woods. It's just, it's just not what I would do. In fact, it's so gratuitous that that at the end of the movie, she actually puts on pants. And Eric and I were like, oh my God. Finally. She put her pants on finally. Oh my God. And it's like, I don't know. It's, a, it's supposed to get us excited. And she's like, you know, like I said, she's a naked lady. She's pretty. There's a like, lot of whatever. weird, like just bizarre, gratuitous nakedness in this film. There is a Both lot of like, yeah, full frontal. She does full frontal nudity a m- number of times. Yes. And we do see we do see some man butt in the movie. We as do well. see some man butt. But yeah, I mean, it's and if this was like a drive in type movie. Yeah. I mean, no, they, I'm they, not, they, it was look, titillating to be titillating. Mm-hmm. And it, that's, I guess it's OK. It's just that it was so inappropriate for the character in the course of the movie because just, she's being menaced. She's being menaced. She's just, it's just so stupid. They throw so, a brick through her window. Right. They call her on the phone and threaten her life. She tries to get the cop to come out and check out the house. And he comes out and it's the, the, the things that she complained about are not there. So he says like, fuck off. I'm going to play a, a softball. softball with my buddies. And she's left alone in this house. And Tiny Tim, who's, now, you know, uh, Merv, is dressed up like a stereotypical scary clown. Yes. I mean, he's got like really scary, normal clown makeup on his face, but he's got this long stringy hair he has and that this crazy like circus outfit. What's the Sid Haig character from? Um, oh, yeah. From uh, uh, Captain Howdy? Yeah. Is that? Is yeah. That, was, he was, was Captain, Captain Howdy. Howdy. Right. Yeah. It, it has that sort of like sweaty, half painted Captain Howdy look about him. He's got a nice clown suit on, which apparently did belong to Tiny Tim. Which I completely un- understand and believe. Like I believe that Tiny yeah, Tim it's was kind of like, like a like a like a coat with tails. Like yeah, it's like, like a like a tuxedo, tuxedo coat, yeah. but made out of like balloon, but like cutouts. two sizes too small for him. Yeah, yeah. it's it's, cr- it's look, and he keeps on wandering into her house while she's there with no pants on, and she's like, "Oh, Murph, what hey, are you Murph, doing? Do here? you want some coffee?" Like the lack people of people are getting murdered. Yes, <laughs> the lack of alarm that this woman has of just people showing up in her house. That has been 
vandalized, that has had bricks thrown through the window, that has people calling her and, and telling her to go fuck herself. Uh, her parents are just gone, and her lack of alarm after about the first like five minutes of discovering that her parents are just they're just gone. They're just missing. Yeah. And like, then she she spent she so she kicks she kicks out Merv at one time or another time or a third time or fourth time. She just or whatever. keeps telling him to go home. Yeah, she keeps telling him to go home. Go home, Merv. What's wrong with you? And what does she do? Does she lock the door? We never lock the she door. She never locks the we door. It never. drives me crazy every and, single time. And I'm not saying that, like, look, I get it. There are some farming communities. There's some rural folks that maybe they still don't lock their door because reasons. Because, you know, you know everybody. Uh, I guess. I don't know. But, I mean, like, I grew up in Kansas. We locked our doors. You know? Now, I wasn't on a farm. I'll say that. But still. And you also weren't being threatened by the local populace by having bricks thrown through the window and threatening phone calls, and your parents weren't missing. That is true. None of those things happened to me at any point in time, and I still would lock the door. She's so distressed, she keeps calling the cops. She drives to the cops. She calls the cops, has the, the sheriff come out. He's always like, what was he? He's playing softball one time. He wanted to play poker another time. Yeah, he's, he's like always sitting in his behind his sweaty desk with his sweaty feet. He's very uninterested in being a law enforcement officer. Right. It's like, oh, your parents are gone. So what? You know, I'm sure they'll be back soon. Well, and the, the other thing, too, is like she walks into town. She wanders into town. How did she get there? We don't know. Because when the film starts off, she's just walking down a country road. Did she take a bus? Did she drive? No, because she doesn't have a car. So she just literally just poofs into existence in the middle of nowhere. She gets attacked by some paintball guys. Well, for some right, reason. because she because for some reason she decides that the proper way to go into town is to literally run through a forest. Right. Like panicked. Half run naked. through No, she's not half naked. Oh, she's then. she's pants. She actually has pants at okay. that point. But she gets shot in the head with a with a paintball. Like, dead center. Right. And instead of going like, holy shit, you guys, get the fuck away from me, and I'm going to call the sheriff on you. It's like, hey, why don't you come and get a ride in my truck? And she's like, oh, okay. I guess and, I will. And, <laughs> and I do. I, I, do I guess it. they all know each other, right? Right. Because well, they all grew up. They all grew up around each other. And, and I do legitimately think my favorite character in this movie is the paintball guy who gives her the ride because he drops her off in, in town and then as she's getting out, he's like, hey, so uh, how about you pay me back with a date? And she's like, no, I'm engaged. And he's like, well, how about some just like casual sex as, as she's like running away from him? Yeah. And, and she's like, no. <laughs> but uh, but I appreciate I appreciate the, the, the attempt that the guy makes. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. So some of the people in the town, we mentioned the sheriff. She also has a girlfriend from when they were kids together right. in the town. Who's the only person who's nice to her other than than Gary, her friend. Her friend Gary. Okay, so Gary is the brother of Merv. Merv. And Gary is, he. she was kind of almost his boyfriend. They were sort of together, kind of fooling around, and they got caught by their parents. By her like, dad. By her dad. And so they, you know, they were teenagers fooling around and her dad walked in on them and he was like, stop it, kick the guy out. And shortly after she went away to college, but Gary still has a crush on her. So she comes back and he's like trying to like, you know, worm his way into her life. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's clearly been friend zoned multiple times over the past years, right? You would right. you would think by the amount of emotional damage that yeah. he has. Yeah, I, I, I don't like the term, but I used it when we were watching the yeah. movie. But yeah, I mean, she told him from a long time ago, 
you know, maybe, you know, maybe we had a thing at one time, but I'm not interested in right. you anymore. There could have but been. But then every time he comes around, she always has to like throw this in. Well, I guess it could have been you and me together if things had gone a little different. And right. like, you know, like just tell this guy to fuck off. Right. You know, really don't just don't. Well, and he, you know. and, and she's, she's always like, you know, oh, you can give me a sisterly kiss on the cheek or something like that. It's yeah, like, it's like, no, please don't do that. Stop doing that. Don't do that. Like, don't take him to the, the clubhouse that you built in your you know your tree in the backyard so you can like oh that's where they were fucking or, or doing whatever in the whatever it was up, right yeah exactly yeah. so like what where's the first place that they go to like reminisce and like catch up like let's go to the let's go to the treehouse yeah. of fucking and he's pretty clear from the very beginning that you know he's interested in her yeah she's not interested in him and she's engaged to somebody she met in college right peter krause <laughs> otherwise known as scott in the movie but yes peter krause who who eventually will show up and who eventually will have a sex scene with with Jill, who is just constantly naked by this point, but who will refuse to take off his jeans for this sex scene, which was a decision made by him, and and I guess the directors just did not push him on it, because everybody else except for Tiny Tim in this movie gets naked at some point. Yeah, and he has no reason to not be naked. He's a handsome man with the, you know... Look, the, you know what? He's he was, fit and handsome. He was 20 years old, and he was like... He was 20, that's right. He's yeah. just a kid. He was really. 20 years old, and, and in his head, he's like, do I want this to be the movie that I show my ass This is for? his first movie, this is, right? This is his first film. Yeah, this is his very first film. And then he would go... I'm assuming he would go off to L.A., and he would, for the next 10 years... He didn't stay in Wisconsin for the big Wisconsin movie scene. Well, he's originally from Minnesota, and he went to oh, college okay. in, Minis- in Minnesota. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, he got the gig doing this movie. Sure. You know, I he guess. was in the upper Midwest, you know. And, and then he, he, went, he went out to uh, L.A. And try his hand. In the grand tradition of actors and actresses of a certain era, he would then guest star on single episodes of various sitcoms and dramas for the next Eight to ten years. Yeah, most working actors spend a good amount of time doing that, or I, at least in the olden days when there was network television. You know? I think I think his first recurring role was, I don't think it was on Moonlighting, I think it was on the show Sybil. You remember Sybil? I don't remember Sybil. It was the show that Sybil Shepherd had after she was oh, on after Moonlighting. Moonlighting. I, I think it was that and not Moonlighting, but he was her son-in-law, I want to say. Yeah. And he had like a five or six episode, like, arc sure. on that show sure and then he got sports night in like 98 yeah but anyway mm-hmm. uh he's in this movie all of about 10 minutes well we see her best friend abducted and murdered hung up in a barn and had her, had her throat slit right well we've already seen there's a couple of people that have been hung up in a barn and yeah her parents first, right, right. The, the parents are the first we ones see that they're... like at the very beginning of the movie and we blood do and gore and guts and we get yeah. a little bit of a you know like like a, a red herring sort of you know, thing thrown at us as well, because Merv is bringing food to the mom who's tied up in a hole in the ground, I a, hob- a hobbit sure. home. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. There's a door that goes into a, into a hill. Yeah. So, so maybe a root cellar? Yeah, probably something like that. Yeah, but I, I like to think it's a, a hobbit hole, because yeah. so if there's- So you see him giving her like, here, have some food. Yes. I, I, I firmly believe that Tiny Tim is some form of goblin. Yeah, he, he he's was, like an he's, oversized hobbit goblin. Yeah, yeah, he's some sort of like he's he's a he's a piece of work. He's a unique creature. Yeah, he's he got a very unique look and a very unique set of talents. He's from the Feywild. Yeah, he is from the Feywild. Yes. 
So it's so like I said, you know, from the very beginning, you were supposed to think, well, it's the psycho clown that's murdering people. Of because course. He goes around talking about, oh, my parents were killed and it's all due to your parents that your mom and dad killed my parents. Well, and- the thing that he's most upset about is that the animals are killed. Right. Because they had everybody has a farm. This is Bumblefuck, Wisconsin. Everyone has a farm. And on your farm, you have you have some pigs. E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> With an oink oink here and a stab stab there, uh, <laughs> so he's he's got like a like a scrapbook at one point of all of his dead animals. Well, they like, were like his pets, so he well, was you know like they he were was not, mentally disturbed. They and, weren't just his pets; they were his friends. They were his friends, and, specifically Beulah. Right, and and after the farm was repossessed, they sold the farm and just slaughtered all the animals. Right, because. I guess, I mean, that's the way to liquidate the farm. You slaughter the animals and sell them off. I mean, whatever. So Beulah the pig was, you know, his his best friend, and they slaughtered Beulah the pig. Right. He was very unhappy about Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. But also his parents, who... Yes, uh, the bank slaughtered his parents as well. Well, the bank didn't slaughter his parents, but the, the bank foreclosing on his parents' farm caused his father to be despondent and depressed and commit suicide, and his mother committed suicide along with... His father, because she couldn't live without him. Yes. So it was a tragic story all around. Very tragic. And so you're thinking, well, this guy's got a he's got a damaged thing. He's got every reason to hate uh, our protagonist. What's her name again? Jill. Jill. She has just because he keeps singing. He keeps singing Jack and Jill. Jill went up the hill, but he doesn't. It's not Jack and Jill. It's, it's, it's Gary and Jill. Gary and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Hey, you're doing pretty good. Jack fell down and broke his crown. And Jill came tumbling after. That is almost identical to the way. To wow, I get, a, I get a, a gold star from Megan for my impressions. This is the first. I know. Well, you know. In all of our hundreds of episodes, if this you is the first keep, time. If you want to keep doing weirdo like singers, then go for it. Wow. Well, yeah. see, I know, I know what my... Uh, with my uh, that's your sweet spot that's my sweet spot <laughs> your right sweet now. spot is weird insane singers from yes. the 60s uh-huh. i'll take insane singers for 200 alex now you just have to do um uh, what's his face that did the uh the, the 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 one about the ship sinking gordon lightfoot oh oh I, does he ever he doesn't have that weird no it's just a weird song oh yeah well i could probably do that okay good i i'm not i'm not spec'd out to do it right now but we'll when we come up when we do a, a show about a about sinking a, ships a, about sinking ships i'll 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 be ready it's the 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 edmund fitzgerald yeah yeah the wreck of the edmund fitzgerald oh there you go mm-hmm. mm. songs some of you have the big, never like, heard they of. call gitchigumi yes Yes, it's it, we have weird demographics. Some of you have no fucking idea what we are talking about at all. And then some of you are like, why do they keep explaining these things? I lived that. So <laughs> I'm saying we have diverse. We got a show. We got we time di- to fill. We got to talk about something. We got a diverse something. audience out there. We love all of you. We all of you. We got a podcast. You got to have things in your podcast. Yes. Because yes. this movie is crap. <laughs> and And right about where the friend gets murdered. Eric started getting incredibly angry because number one, this movie shows a lot of tits and ass that don't deserve to be shown. First off, it's like, it's again, not, I can't really complain, but it's so, so gratuitous. It just makes me angry. It is a bit. It, even I was like, really? We got to go. Cause like, look people, I was a stripper for a number of years. I, like I've seen a lot of tits and ass in my day. Some of which was deserved. Some of which was not. Uh, and, this movie, it's like okay, so I've I've kidnapped the best friend. I've 
like hauled her up by her ankles. We're going to like cut her throat and drain her blood. Okay. But before we do that, we're going to tear all of her clothes off. Right. And I guess, you know, in the context of a movie like this, it makes sense, but it's like painful to watch. Yeah. Well, the, the, it makes me cringe. The scene that I had the biggest problem with is okay. So, one of the things to know about our slasher. Okay. So, at this point, we all know that Gary is the it's killer. Totally it's, it's, Gary. it's totally obvious. It's He's totally the one that's Gary. got the crush on her. He's the only one who is always missing when the murders Stuff happen it's it's obviously not tiny tim because he's obviously a red hair and it can't be the boyfriend fiance because he's winds up dead he gets knocked out by somebody else right and so it's like okay well it's not him either so if it's not him it could be the sheriff or it could be gary right and for a while actually you were thinking it was the sheriff i was thinking it was the sheriff because i thought what i was thinking is that there there's only a few people it's obviously not merv Right. Right. Definitely. So there's only two other people. It's like, well, it's probably Gary. But if you want to if you want to really throw a curveball, make it the sheriff. So like, you know, it's like you He's think it's you think it's off. yeah, you think it's Merv and then it's, you know, it's not Merv. And then you think it's Gary and it's like, oh, it's got to be Gary because he's got all these reasons. So it's going to actually turn out to be the sheriff, you know, like a Scooby. It's like a Scooby-Doo episode, a bad Scooby-Doo episode. Right. And the sheriff's pissed off because like with, she, with tits and ass, she keeps interrupting like his mundane shit that he likes doing he likes playing softball and she interrupts a softball game so it's like right. fine i'll kill you and in one of the in the murderer at some point had a softball bat <laughs> yes he did at one yeah. point in fact and that I was think, a part of why i was thinking oh my god oh, it's, it's the sheriff because yeah, yeah. he's got a softball bat but legitimately this movie only has like six characters in it and four of them get murdered right and so it's like okay okay well huh maybe it's maybe it's jill maybe jill's the one yeah so the the one of the parts that was really disturbing is uh, uh, Jill is asleep in bed and uh, the the killer the mystery person shows up and chloroforms her and ties her to the bed and strips off all of her clothes and takes a bunch of nude pictures of her yeah without I had, her consent I had trouble with that scene I I I kind of understand why they put it in because they wanted him to be like a weirdo sex pervert but I didn't really need to see the weirdo sex pervert shit. You could they could have done it in a more tasteful way if that's what they really wanted to do, but they were just filling time and trying right. to like you know titillate the audience. Now, one thing he does show up again to chloroform her, right? And I was just sitting there and I was like, I don't think that's how chloroform works. First off, he must either she must be the the absolute soundest sleeper to not notice that there is someone tromping around in boots in the room that she's in. You know, she wouldn't have that problem if she locked the fucking door. Well, that is true. Although he probably has a key. He probably has in, a key. But whatever, but, but still. still. <laughs> <laughs> well, he could have also come in through a window, which I think is actually how he gets into her bedroom. Yeah, sure. But, whatever. But <laughs> all that being said, there are also window locks that you could, you know, in fact, use. Yeah. She's now, also sleeping in a in a sh- in an overshirt, a man's shirt, and her panties on the sofa when he chloroforms her. Another hey, look, time, you, you know what? It's your house. You get to sleep wherever the fuck you want, wearing whatever the hell you if want. If your if your friends and family are disappearing and you're getting threats and stuff, doesn't that seem like a bad idea? I I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm also Arr. saying in your own home, if you, look, if you want to sleep in a fucking bathrobe on top of your dining room table, you can do that. If you want to sleep in a fucking muumu in the middle of the bathroom floor, you can do that. If you want to sleep in your garage wearing nothing but a tutu, you can do that. It's a free country. It is a free fucking country. But as Eric has pointed out, if you are currently 
being menaced by an entire town. She's terrorized. A psycho right? she's, killer. She's extremely frightened all the time. You would think, because she's called the cops several times. But no, no, no. She seems to be taking her Ambien and then sacking out in the, wherever the fuck with no pants on. Right. And when her boyfriend disappears to go into town, she's For like... hours. Uh, yeah, hours? Like hours. overnight? Yeah, yeah no, she's... Like, she's oh, she's, like, he's probably... What I, I she made up some excuse that made no sense. Yeah. Well, first, first her friend had come by and she was like, "Yeah, well, you know, it's too bad that you didn't get to meet my fiance because he was just here and we had a really spicy time because you know we had jeans sex because he wouldn't take his pants off." Mm. But he went lots to, of nipple sucking in that scene. Oh, oh, no, 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 not that one. No, was that it was, the gene sex was the nipple no, sucking? No, no, no it was the, the other one. That's Gary gets all completely naked and oh. just lies awkwardly on top of uh, her nakedness. Yeah. Uh, I feel really bad for the actress in that particular scene. We should mention the actress in this, she made it's downright one, porny. She made one movie, Blood Harvest, and then she disappeared off the fucking face of the earth. People actually like put together a petition to try and like search and find her because she just she never did any acting again after that. And she disappeared for a reason. Don't try to find her. She's, no, she, she doesn't want to be found. She, she's embarrassed enough by this film. She does not need to be found and reminded of it. But I can... I the can, script was terrible. Her I acting can, was terrible, but the script is so bad. Look, right? look, you're, you're filming a movie. Look, they didn't, even, they didn't even hire actors to be the farmers at the beginning of the fucking movie. They just found an auctioneer. She should have just been a Playboy model or, or like something mm. like that. I'm not sure that she could have done. Playboy. You don't think she could have done it? I mean, she, her willingness. She had a nice to, body, but you know, maybe she's not that naked. pretty. Yeah. No, no. She, I mean, she was perfectly fine. I just, I don't know that that. When it's not Playboy level. 1987. Maybe Wee magazine. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> she did sport a ridiculous ponytail out of like the top of her head for the beginning part of the film, which I do have to give her sort of like. She had a lot of very distinct 80s style going on. Yeah. She had the mom jeans. She had the the shirt with the weird geometric pattern on it. Right. She had the... It wasn't so much a side ponytail as it was like a brain ponytail. It kind of came right out of the middle of her... Top of her Skull. Head, yeah. yeah. Top knot. Yeah. I anyway. <laughs> like things go from bad to worse. Oh, boy. Yeah. So... So we've figured out who it is, but they're going to keep showing us Merv showing up in in awkward situations, and they just keep wanting to show us him. They show him praying a number of times, and Eric actually looked this up. Tiny Tim was Catholic. Yeah, very devout Catholic. Yes. Yeah. And so we see him again and again throughout the film in what I have to think was unscripted bits where... Yeah, he was Bill, saying Hail Mary. Bill Rubain is basically like, do some movie. prayer yeah. shit. And if Tiny Tim's like, I have my rosary right here. Uh-huh. Uh, but I was a little bit like, and this is just my own ignorance, but I'm sort of surprised that they would have like devout Catholics in the middle of Bumblefuck, Wisconsin. They must be up there. I mean, I mean there's German saying, Catholics and there's a lot of Germans true. in Wisconsin. That is true. I didn't. I mean, think about most that. of the. I mean, I don't know most of Germany. I don't know what the what the split is, but there's German Catholics. They are, are they do exist in large numbers. Mm-hmm. So, I guess my experience growing up in Bumblefuck, Kansas, where there are not a lot of Catholics, is well, informing. They don't like Catholics down there. Well, it's a very Protestant Bible Belt kind of yeah kind of feel to yeah. it. Back where the I Catholic grew up. Church is the horror of Babylon, don't you know? I no, I don't because oh. I I did not go to church. Oh. Well, that's what the Catholic Church is. That's what it was described as. Oh, in the I, Bible, I think I have I have sort of missed out on a very significant cultural 
like touchstone in the fact that my parents could give two shits about raising me with any religion whatsoever. So yeah, you were one of the lucky ones. Yeah, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't know these things. Everyone, don't ask me about Bible shit because I don't know it. But anyway, no. so we see, we, we see him. He's praying a lot. We see. It seems like he's got something weighing on his conscience. So we were assuming, or the filmmakers want us to assume, that he's feeling a lot of guilt about murder. But that's not the case. It's obvious it's not him because they make it so. They're, it's, they're, it's strenuously trying to implicate him. Right. Right. And it's any kind of a movie worth its salt. You wouldn't strenuously try to implicate somebody if it weren't some kind of a red herring and a turnaround somewhere else in the movie. Otherwise, it wouldn't have made any sense. Like, you should, should have just gone on a rampage then and, and just started stabbing everybody all over the place. I mean, and it would be he's the killer clown. Ha ha ha. You know, and like he has to be defeated. But no, it's <laughs> this movie made me so angry. So it kind of culminates in Gary showing up. We all know it's him. We all know Gary's the bad guy. But he shows up in and chloroforms her yet again because this. Where did you even get chloroform? Can you buy it commercially? I uh, don't think you can get it. I know people would steal it from the lab when I worked in the biology labs when I was what, in to get, college like, to get high. Uh, to get high or to abduct people, who knows? But we had to be, you know, what that was one of the chemicals that we had to put away. We couldn't just leave it in the fume hood. We had to lock it up inside the lab well, yeah. so that it couldn't be in a classroom or something like that. You you need to use it in certain experiments and stuff. But or, uh, but it's, uh, yeah. it's dangerous if you don't know what you're doing with it. Oh yeah, chloroform is dangerous. I mean, you it'll could, burn your lungs, right? I'm not exactly sure what the what the uh, biological component of it is, but. Ether is something that you can use to knock somebody out, but ether is relatively safe. Well, except ether is extremely explosive. Uh, other than that, <laughs> it's relatively safe. Chloroform is less explosive, but an overdose of chloroform can kill you pretty easily. Yeah. So if you hold that chloroform rag over somebody's face for too long, they could very well die on you. Yeah, that, you don't want that, guys. Don't do that. But he chloroforms her, takes off all of her clothes, takes off all of his, his clothes, clothes, and sucks her nipples for a long, uncomfortable it's time. It's very uncomfortable. Very porny. Yes, not okay. Not okay at all. Again, I, I'm not against nipple sucking. Not, I'm just, it's not appropriate. It's it, just, it's gross. This movie did not deserve it. Nothing in this movie. No. No. I was like, don't do, I was like, Every, thinking for, I, the, for the poor actress, I'm yes. saying like, do you, oh, Please shit, don't. don't do this for this movie. Don't do, don't don't do, do it. it. Yeah. No, don't do that. Anyway, it's so. And so she wakes up. Well, she wakes up because he completely disrobes. So he is naked. We get to see his butt. It's not a bad butt. We get to see his butt like right in the camera. And then he proceeds to lie on top of her, just very still, naked. He's not like trying to even, I think, like, or like penetrate her or anything. I don't recall. He just yeah. lays on top of her and then she wakes up because, you know, I would hope, even if you were chloroformed, that the full, you know, 170 pounds of, of a guy laying on top of you would would change your like awake status. Well, yeah, she's breathing some fresh air now, so you know the it's, chloroform is wearing true. out. She's ex, you know it, it, exhausting Coming the chloroform to, from her lungs. Yeah, mm, yes, yeah, it's eliminated through the lungs. And I'm she wakes sure. up and and basically sure. reacts the same way Eric and I did, which is like, what the fuck are you actually doing? Get the hell off of me. Well, yeah, but not in not in that bold a term. She's sort of like, hey, what we said that we weren't going to do this. Get <laughs> we, off of me, we've please. We've discussed this before, yeah. sir. Yeah, it's like yeah, you should you should probably leave. And he's like, well, it's our finally our chance to be together. And she's and like, she's like, no, no, I don't think so. Mm-mm. 
You know, does she call the cops? No, of course not. Does she chase him out like with a shotgun and say, don't you ever come back here again, you you fucking freak? No. No, no. Does in she... fact, she winds up in a room with him and Tiny Tim, right? Well, no, not 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 here. Not here. No, but she says, get the fuck out. And then does she lock the door? No. No, of course not. What happens is Merv removes the clown and becomes Merv the guy. He's wearing overalls and a plaid shirt. He's like straight out of Wisconsin casting. We don't have the grease paint on our face anymore. And he, again, because the door is just fucking wide open, walks into the house and is like, you've got to come with me. There's something that I need to show you. And she's, and like, she's like, what is it? She's like, no, I don't want to go. And he's like, no, you've got to come with me. There's something I've got to Tell show you. Tell me what you. it is. No, 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 no. You, you've got to come with me. We're There's standing where we're going to have walk 20 yards. You can tell me while we're walking. No, no. I please, won't. please tell me. No, I won't. I don't want to go with you. No, please put pants on. <laughs> so she does. And Merv. And scene. And scene. Yeah. Merv takes her to what we have to assume is his house, though it's very difficult to understand what it is from the establishing they shot. telling him to go home. And it was like, where does he live? He lives. With, they never showed his home. He lives with Gary. Well, they sh- they're showing something that belongs to his family because they, they go into a nondescript room. There are a bunch of old photos and things laying around, and she starts just sort of rifling through photos and like, oh, yes, there's photos, there's photos. Does he tell her what to look for at any point in time? No. Of course not. Why no. would that, Why would we use language for that? But eventually... He finally fills her in on this tragic backstory. Well, yes. He, she finally finds a letter that's written on like notebook paper that's from the mom that basically says, you know... Uh, your father and I can't handle all of this sadness and despair and depression. So we're going to, we're going to depart this earth and kill ourselves. And Merv was like, yeah. And Gary went and kicked the stools out from underneath them so that it looked like they were murdered instead of that they killed themselves. Right. Does, do any alarm bells go off in her head at this point, even oh, though he was no, no, attempting no. to rape her on the sofa oh, and no, was no. taking pictures? Well, she didn't know about the picture taking. No, so. she did not. Well, no, she finds out the picture oh, taking. Oh, she sees the pictures in, because the, in the crap she's, shack. She's, yeah, she's looking through the crap shack, and there are a bunch of naked pictures of her where she's very clearly asleep, chloroformed, right. whatever. Right. And she's like, I, I wasn't there for those pictures. What uh-huh. the hell? And, yeah. Mer- and I think it must have been it, it must have been Merv chloroforming me, Merv. not the other guy that I know chloroformed right. me and was lying on top of me naked. Oh God, good God! Right. And so then, of course, Gary shows up because he's he's always at least like two steps wherever they are behind. Shows up and grabs a knife and goes after Merv. And so she finds a gun. And who does she shoot? Merv. Uh, yeah, I mean, the guy who attempted to rape her, the guy who's Mm-mm. been do- dogging her all no, over town, no, no, the no. guy that keeps creeping on her, even nope. though she keeps telling him, nope. no, Mm-mm. not that guy. No, we're gonna- The other guy who's like, you know, he's a, like a gentle giant and it always has been kind of, you yes. know, he's like. Uh, <laughs> Gary's impossibly older brother. I've been trying to do the math in my head. I guess. So she was probably what, like 21, let's say. She Jill, came in, yeah. yeah came she back in college. from college. Right. She's 20. 21. So Gary's, so Gary's about the same 20, 21. And Tiny Tim is clearly in his 40s. Right. So I'm just trying to do the math as to when Tiny Tim's mom would have had him. Well, she could have had him when she was 16 and then had the other kid when she was 36. Okay. Maybe. So, you know, it's, it's, it's cutting it's, it close. It's, it is true. It is possible. But man, that's a, big, that's a big age gap right there. 
Yeah, it's just, you know, they just hand wave it away. I know, I know, I know. Anyway, so she shoots Tiny Tim. Boom, he goes down. And then Gary's like, ha ha, I'm the real killer. Let me I'm going to drag you to the barn and cut your throat because you will not be my girlfriend. Right. And, and so, she's like, what? So it the, was you all the time? And we see all of his victims hanging by their ankles in the barn because no one would check the fucking barn. Right. There's weird noises going oh on my outside God. my house. Would we check the barn? So no. she sees this horror scene and does she get up and run out of the barn? No. No. She stands there and screams. Yep. And then Gary shows up. Yep. And then she just here you feel you start you go do the rest. I can't do it. I know because you're so angry. So I'm yes, angry. Gary's like, My look, anger is rising. Look at the look at the pantheon of of murder victims I have. Here's your boyfriend. Here's your friend. Here's your parents. You're going to join them. And then she's like, wait, wait, wait. Reverse psychology time. No, 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 no. This is perfect. You know, they'll find Merv and they'll think that he shot us and we'll disappear and then they won't they won't be able to find us so they'll assume we're dead. And we can go off and we can have a That's life together. Clever, sure. Which is not a bad tactic to take. But right. what she, what she, she, she fucking didn't nail the landing because she's like she kind of convinces him, and then the second that he lets go of her wrist, she just falls on the fucking floor. She, she, God she, damn it! She ineffectively turns to try to run away and just just fucking wipes out. And he's like, no, 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 no. Now I'm going to murder you. And so she runs, uh, you know, she runs through some farm scenery. Right, There's, she's got pants on at this point. She right? does have pants. That's on. That's the only good part of That's this. That's the reason she can run, everybody, because she's got her pants on. So she's running. She's running through a stable. She's running through some hay. She's running around outside. At one point, she decides that she's going to hide behind a wall that clearly is a shitty hiding place. And Gary's like, "What the fuck, dude? I can. F- You're right there. I see you." Like, legitimately, I just walked down a hill, and you've been in view the entire time. Meanwhile, smoke is squirting out of my ears. Meanwhile, Eric is like... Fireworks are coming out of my navel. Screaming. She climbs into what I... And I I apologize. I am not a hog farmer, so I don't know if there's a legitimate name for this area, but it's apparently where you string up the hogs to cut the, the throat and let the blood run out. So I'm sure that the, there's a hog shack name. If you are a hog farmer or no one, please let it's us know. A what slaughterhouse. Th- it's not. Charnel house. Maybe. I don't know. It's a it, it, slaughterhouse is a place where you would industrially yeah. sort of slaughter I hogs. Don't, it, it's like it's a, like in your barn. It's your it's your hog killing barn. Right. So she's in there and there's a freshly killed ish hog like strung up that's no. that's bleeding on her face and then uh. So she's in there, and I, I think I, I think I called it when we first didn't see Tiny Tim's body. But he comes up behind Gary, who's about to kill Jill, and shoots him, and then it ends. Right, right. And it was right up until like, Gary had to take his knife and bring it like right up to her throat. He's pressing it against her throat. He's threatening her. He's monologuing. She's crying. He's holding her in position. And it goes on and on and on and on and on and and, 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 you know. (sighs) But then he's dead. Right. But. Where was Merv this whole time? Was he was he just like slowly sauntering in? Was he? Well, he did get shot. He got shot with the bullet. I know. I know. I mean, but like, (sighs) whatever. Yeah. Just continue. I'm sorry. Uh, Look, I I finish this for me. I can't. I give Merv a little bit of a little bit of leeway in this situation, because I think if I had gotten shot and was bleeding my own blood on the floor. I might be a little slow to get up. I might be going, ow, 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 ow. I should probably call 911. 
But no, Merv was being a, he was being a hero, un, unlike his weird, creepy brother. So Gary is shot. Jill survives. Merv, I guess, fucks off and puts his clown makeup back on. But nobody cleans up Gary's body. It's just laying there in the straw. And we, apparently dead. We slowly, no, nice, no, slowly, fuck, slowly, sure. very slowly. Oh my god! Zoom in on Gary's face, right? Which is covered in blood. There's blood coming out of his mouth, mm-hmm. and his eyes open. Bump, bump, bump. Oh God, kill me, please. It's a, it's the equivalent of the end question mark. Yeah, they were gonna make a series. It was just like gonna be a tentpole franchise. There's, you know, Freddy, Freddy Krueger, and there's Mike Myers, and there's the shape from Halloween, and then there's well, Gary. Yeah, <laughs> Gary. Gary, the, 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 the rapist. Serial, the serial killer. Ugh. I will say, if you were going to have a tentpole series of, of horror movies, Blood Harvest is a pretty good title. Oh, yeah, it's a good title. Like Blood Harvest 2. The Har- harvesting, the reaping. <laughs> the reaping, the reaping. Yeah, 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 exactly. Or like uh, Blood Harvest 2. Um, uh, uh, Gary's back. <laughs> no, <laughs> the name Gary can never be in a title and make it sound scary. It's like Kenneth, the serial killer. <laughs> yes, Kenneth. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, I wouldn't recommend this movie. It's terrible. It makes me angry. It's awful and it's terrible. It's not, there's, it's, there's maybe a kernel of a good idea in it. Tiny Tim is not terrible in it. No, but he's just playing Tiny Tim. So, you know. Yeah. Um, everybody else, I mean, the, the, the main actor in the movie, uh, I give her credit for, for having the guts to be nude in this terrible movie so many times. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, what's his name? Peter. Peter Krause. Peter Krause. Uh, I, Give Look, him credit for the fact that after he made this movie, he didn't make another significant thing for 10 years. I, I mean... He was in... Okay, he had bit parts and stuff. Yeah, but he wasn't he, in a TV show or anything was, important for 10 years. He was years. working his way up the ladder, you know? He, he, well, he got, started on the bottom fucking rung. through the window, the Thanks for listening to Cinema Super Collider. You can find us online at anchor.fm, but you can also subscribe to our podcast via any of the major podcast networks, including the Apple Store, Spotify, and others. If you'd like to email us, you can reach us at cinemasupercast at gmail.com. Thanks, and we hope to see you again in the future. Baby,